Hello and welcome to the Formula Scout podcast. Formula Scout is home to news, features, podcasts and everything else in the world of junior single-seater racing, tracking the progress of future Grand Prix stars. Now today I am joined by Elliot Wood to talk about one of the very few um, big junior single-seater um, events that is actually running in 2020 due to the, the current global situation, and that is the Formula Ford Festival. Now, in a, in a normal calendar year, you'd have um, several big events uh, happening throughout the year, such as the the, the Formula 3 World Cup at Macau and the, the Po Grand Prix. And in previous years, you've had the, the Masters of Zandvoort and several other events as well. But the, the Formula Ford Festival is is an event that's been going on for, for years and years and has, have had some big names turn up, uh, compete win as well and have gone on to, to some big things so Elliot it's a big big event and it is nice to be able to actually have one of these marquee events actually take place in 2020 given the, the current situation yeah it's uh, given it's a club based event and club racing has been one of the biggest to suffer it's, it's very pleasant that we are able to have the festival this year uh, and at a track like Brands Hatch, which is obviously a very classic track. We were supposed to have Zandvoort back on the F2 calendar this year. We, we lost that opportunity. Poe, Monaco, they've all been off. But Brands Hatch, as a classic, is still able to hold an event. And that's great. And also, unlike, um, say, the Mediterranean Grand Prix, which is supposed to be revived this year, this event is basically in the same format it was in 40, 50 years ago. So it's a really brilliant you know, opportunity to, to go and see it. Uh, if you can, and definitely to compete in it. As yes, well. definitely. I, I think we should talk about the the format because it's the sort of format that you don't re really tend to see um, anywhere in motor racing. Um, back in back in the the olden days, if you will, uh, several decades ago, you would have things like Formula Two races run to to different well to two different heats, and uh, the, the race would be taken as an aggregate of that or or, or so forth. But the the Formula Ford Festival. Um, takes a, a totally different uh, concept in itself in that you have um, absolutely loads of uh, entries turn up. Um, you'd have heats for each uh, each group. And then once you have uh, those uh, entry, well, the, the top runners in, in those races determined, then they'll move on to, to a semi-final race. And then you would have a, a final as well. Um, it's been tweaked a little bit Um here and there, you've had last chance races pop up as well, um, which give people the, the opportunity to um, to go all out and, and try to salvage uh, the last few places on on the grid for for semifinals and for for finals as well. Um, so it's it's a very very unique um, sort of format and one that the, the drivers uh, really enjoy. Um, it, it does reward. Um, going out and having to to perform um but in, in formula ford racing it's not easy to do that isn't it yeah it's, it's very difficult to essentially win multiple races from the front uh even if you qualify in pole and even if you qualify from last place because you know in formula ford you don't have the high downforce levels you don't have that disruption of the air so you can do a lot of overtaking in a track like brands hatch where you've basically got two or three hairpins and a lot of undulation where, you know, there's multiple lines you can take into a corner. It means there's always battling for position from the start to the finish. Uh, and because obviously you've got the 
kind of similar regulations that have gone from when it was first created back in the 60s to now, it means there isn't like huge performance disparities between uh, the top cars and top drivers either. It's a very equal formula. Yeah, certainly. And as, as you say, top drivers, um, it's not just limited to, to the younger drivers. Um, uh, although you do have several, several drivers who, who are young, um, who, who are climbing up the, the junior ladder in, in this event, there are a lot of experienced heads as well. And, and some who have proven to be um, already successful in, in national level motorsport, um, not just in the UK, but um, around the globe as well. Um, but what benefits do do young drivers get from racing against um, some some more experienced drivers that um, you might not find in something like the Macau Grand Prix, for example? You benefit a huge amount. Uh, traditionally, we would have had returning winners because like Macau, once you've won it once, you still have that taste for victory there and you return. So we have names like Jerry Foster in Formula Ford and Michael Moyers as well, who return again and again and again to win these events. And these drivers often not only have to learn how to beat them in wheel-to-wheel battle, but because of the, I guess, creation of, uh, you know, GoPros and uh, data tracing and video technology, you can actually analyze these top drivers on board. Whereas if you're in F3, you're only going to be able to see, you know, your two teammates on boards. Whereas in the Formula Ford paddock, it's very open. You can go down to other teams You go, if you're like, you know, if you're a young driver and it's your, your first time there, you go, oh, can I see how you took this corner? Because... I'm losing loads of time there and I, I want to improve and, and drivers tend to be willing to obviously if they have GoPros, et cetera, that's the cameras, maybe someone like Joe Foster due to his experience doesn't need uh, that kind of data analysis because he can be so quick, you know, like on the ball, but it's benefiting from having such an open paddock as young drivers It's benefiting from, you know, learning wheel to wheel action with those guys. And also because when you have experienced drivers in the field, the racing tends to be cleaner. Uh, last year we did actually have, Michael Moyers and uh, Joey Foster collide in the Walter Hayes Trophy, I believe, which is uh, two weeks further down the line. Uh, but it tends to be very close racing and very fair racing at the front, which you can then obviously watch back on the video streams uh, that are normally put on YouTube and, and basically just analyze that. And drivers such as Oliver Askew and IndyCar, um, unfortunately, hasn't had the schedule to do it, but he plans to come back to Formula Ford between his title winning. Uh, road to Indy campaigns to build those skills continuously in Formula Ford, just as Joseph Newgarden, Brian Herter, um, people like that had done prior. Yes, yeah, certainly. And I believe Jamie Chadwick was another one who um, rocked up at the, the Walter Hayes Trophy last year as well, just for that extra bit of seat time and a bit more racecraft, racecraft experience. Um, but as you mentioned, Oliver Askew, he, he's, an, uh, he's an alumni of, uh, of the Formula Ford Festival. Um, so where do drivers who perform well in the Formula Ford Festival tend to go? Because we've seen in the past that um, they can um, get scouted out for, for GT programs. Um, they can move up onto the Road to Indy ladder. Um, and there's the possibility of moving up into um, into the likes of Formula 4 as well. So how do drivers um, use yeah, progress. progress. You utilize the, the festival yeah. to progress up the ladder. Uh, well, like you mentioned with Road to India IndyCar, we have the Team USA Scholarship and Team Canada Scholarship. And we kind of have a Team South Africa Scholarship as well, but uh, that runs more in the world to Hayes. And basically, Jeremy Shaw, very long-time serving motorsport journalist in America and talent spotter, 
uh, does kind of like a shootout in America. They pick out two or three of the best young American drivers at the very start of their car racing careers, send them over to Britain. They do one of our national Formula Ford events, or depending on like what the schedule is, potentially it's like a regional event. Then they enter the festival in the haze. And based on that, they then take all that experience against top British drivers at this level, go back to America, and they tend to then go into like USF 2000 or US Formula 4. And that's, we, especially over the last 10 years, we've seen that a lot. Connor Daly, I believe, won the World Haze. Don't think he won the festival. Uh, Oliver Askew obviously did very well. As well, I think we've had uh, a few others. I'm not sure. I think Cole Kirkwood won it as well. He's a Team USA scholar. Uh, Tristan Nunes, who's now IMSA star uh, as well. So the drivers go through that way. In Britain, uh, we have a prize for the top teenager at the festival, and they get entry into the British Formula 4 scholarship, I believe. Uh, and that is basically, it's like a, it's a test to win a drive, to win a test, to then win a drive in British F4. Uh, last year, Casper Stevenson won it, and uh, but there was a, a Formula 4 festival runner in the final. Uh, so that's one of the opportunities there. There is some debate in Formula Ford. Obviously, we at Formula Scout and Formula Ford 1600 website take it very seriously. We see it as kind of an equal to Formula Four. Uh, but obviously, the promoters of Formula Four want to uh, see it as a feeder to them. Uh, Formula Ford almost wants to see Formula Four as a feeder to itself because there's a lot of underfunded drivers who can't do F4, but they can afford FF 1600. So uh, there's the relationship there. You have drivers who then go kind of straight to F3 uh, because often they do have slicks and wings experience, uh, whereas Formula Ford 1600 cars have used groove tyres, a bit like Formula E, uh, and have no kind of aerodynamic appendages. Uh, and this is because the step from Formula Ford to like the RDC British F3 is actually cheaper than doing a season in Formula Four, especially in Europe. Um, in Denmark, uh, while this isn't quite the Formula Ford festival, uh, we have F Formula Ford cars or old F Ford cars that have been adapted running alongside the Formula Ford machinery. Uh, and that also saves costs and gives them more learning experience as well. Uh, and talking of Danish people, I think two of the most impressive kind of, well, three of the most impressive festival winners of the last 30 or so years was Jan Magnussen in 1992, which was the very final Formula Ford festival run to FF 1600 specification before it became an 1800cc formula I believe or they went to the ZTEC engine because they, they normally use Kent engines Ford Kent in Formula Ford and they switched the year after then we had Jason Watt win in 1994 and then Dennis Lind win in 2010 as well uh, so a huge variety of winners in this event including the likes of Mark Webber Jensen Button, uh, Anthony Davidson and, and they all went from Formula Ford straight into F3 and F1 uh, junior programs as well that was how quickly their careers progressed uh, Alan Vandermeer uh, who I believe driven the F1 safety car for some time or medical car. Medical uh, car, yeah. <laughs> yeah, medical car. Uh, Nick Tandy, obviously sports car icon. Uh, he learned a lot of his stuff in Formula Ford. Uh, and even names that aren't necessarily well known, but uh, Noel Murray, who's kind of made it to America and then had to come back because didn't have the money after absolutely dominating in Formula Ford. Wayne Boyd, who's become uh, one of Northern Ireland's top uh, sports car drivers. I think he's currently contesting the Asian Le Mans series. Russell Ingall, obviously uh, Australian supercars and many of his contemporaries and none other than Vincenzo Sospiri, the legendary Lola Formula One driver who won the 1988 edition of the festival and very quickly progressed up single-seater ladder into international Formula 3000. But 
didn't make it to F1, sadly. Well, he did, uh, just not necessarily. He, he kind, kind of. of. He was also Michael Schumacher's um, idol back when he was karting, uh, for what it's worth as well. But um, you, you, we also had uh, Josh Smith as well. He's a, he's a McLaren factory driver as well in, in British GT. Uh, he's a very good example of a, of a recent winner who who went straight on to, to really good things and, and someone who uh, is happy enough to, to come back and, and give it another shot as well, um, as he did uh, last year, I believe it was. Um, but, yeah, so... The festival this year, um, obviously, uh, the, the current situation has uh, caused a lot of uh, chaos around around the globe. But um, I have had the chance to be trackside and, and see some Formula Ford racing. And I, I, I feel pretty confident in, in saying that I believe that the racing is going to be just as good as ever uh, in, in the festival this year. Um, we, we had the, the national round um at Brands Hatch Indy a couple of weeks ago. And before that, we had a, a, a champion of Brands round. Uh, before then, a champion of Brands is a very uh, unique format in that it doesn't have a point system. It's just whoever wins the most recent race is known as the champion or the reigning champion. So um, what, what I realized there was that we are going to have scraps of seven, eight, nine, maybe even 10 cars uh, for for the top spots uh, when it when when it matters uh, in the festival, uh, provided everyone keeps keeps their cars in in relative good shape, um, and I, I think that's what we need at the end of the day is just a really really strong field of drivers. Um, I, I'm going into going into the into the event believing that uh, the reigning festival winner Jonathan Brown is uh, is the man to beat, but uh, despite winning all of the the cha- champion of brands races this year, he was um, he was uh, beaten quite considerably in the in the national rounds uh, by by Leo, uh, Neil McLennan, who went on to win the national championship, and by Chris Middlehurst. Um, so there's a lot of intrigue uh, going in going into the into the festival, and it's always very difficult to predict who is going to come out on top because um, you, you know the the, the favourite might end up having a having a an incident in the in the first heat, and then has to come back through the the last chance heats, and then having to come back from the back of the grid in the semi-finals, and it's very very difficult to recover from from one uh, from one bad race, um, isn't it? So at, at this point, it's impossible to sort of turn around and say yes, that person's like an absolute show into to win. Whereas you'll have things like the Macau Grand Prix and the Po Grand Prix, where you've got clear-cut favourites from the off. Yeah, I, th- I think the difficulty to recover is more that um, Formula Ford cars are based on a formula that is over 50 years old. Uh, and actually, the, fir- the very first page of the technical regulations say these ha- regulations have not been updated for several years, and that includes the safety aspects of these cars. Now, obviously, we know with overtaking, you can start racing last and finish first, Say if you do have a crash in the heat uh, and you do mend your car, realistically, your car still carries enough damage that it will slow you down for the rest of that weekend. It's not like you can fully repair a car overnight and make it as quick as it was before. Uh, so if you do crash, you, you know, you're going to have to carry possibly a bit of a bent suspension or, uh, you know, if, if you got hit out the rear, then your gearbox might be a bit clunky. Um, 
through the rest of the weekend and that can ruin an event. But obviously, because it's such a simplistic formula and there are spare parts and abundance around, other people in the paddock can go, yeah, I can give you a pristine uh, whatever if they've already been knocked out of the, comp- of the competition and, and they can give you your, an engine or um, a wheel or something similar, uh, which makes it very competitive as well. And like you said, with the racing at the front, maybe because we don't have those huge names like Joey Foster this year, uh, or even Josh Smith, it might be closer because the drivers who tended to be fighting for like sixth place downwards are now fighting for first place. And we know that those battles in the midfield were very, very close. Uh, so that's going to shift to the front. Uh, looking at the entry list, you could say there's around 20, well, 25 drivers who could win because they're the pro-class entrants. They're in cars built from well, I think on our entry list, around 1999 onwards. Uh, and that's how quick you can have. You can have a car 20 years old and it's still fighting at the front. And then the rest of the 50 strong entry list is all cars built in the 1990s, 1980s, and even the 1970s. Uh, and obviously, they, they're not as quick uh, as the other guys. But you do have some you know, respected names, including Rick Morris, who uh, was a rival of Ayrton Senna back in the day, who, who do a contest in the older machinery. Yeah, uh, definitely. And as you mentioned, there are, um, that's going to mean that traffic is going to be very, very much an issue when it comes to uh, all of the races and uh, something that proved to be a factor in the, in the national round as well. Um, so I, I do think that it's going to be uh, it's going to be absolutely eventful no matter what happens. And and it's going to be a very, very good uh, event to have this year. Um and uh, as you mentioned, there's a really good uh, camaraderie between a lot of the teams and a lot of the drivers. Even, even the top teams will will help each other out if need be, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but so it's going to be really, really good. Um, let's talk a little bit about last year's event because that was one. Um, you look at it on paper and, and Jonathan Brown uh, driving for what was then uh, Cliff Dempsey Racing, which is now Low Dempsey Racing. Um dominated the event he, he went totally unbeaten uh, throughout but it wasn't as easy as it appeared wasn't it yeah it was it was very close at the front but he, he did tend to to lead uh, he was the car in front of him he had track position uh, and i think the key to that performance was and i've spoken to jonathan for the first national round at alton park in the summer and when i was in the national paddock for the last two years as well and he's in a lot better physical shape and mental shape than he was at the very start of his career uh, basically, at the end of every season, the, the team got Cliff Dempsey, who was the owner and team principal of the team at the time before it became no Dempsey Racing, basically turned around to him and said, get fitter, lose weight, add muscle, um, be more focused, you know, do, do more of your kind of homework type thing, and you'll be at the front of the field. And Cliff Dempsey was right. Jonathan Brown came to the festival at the end of the year and was in the best condition he'd ever been and was the most confident he'd ever been. I think they perfected a setup in the national round uh, at Brands Hatch earlier in the year. And from then on, he was basically the fastest driver on track. He had a few of his rivals, including uh, Peter Dempsey, who is Cliff Dempsey's son. And he was driving for, well, he was kind of driving for his own team, Turn Free Motorsports, which obviously runs an Indy Pro 2000. And he crashed with, I think, one of the Team USA scholars and then a lapped car in the heat. And there was a lot of paddock arguing going on around and that kind of knocked him out contention. I think one of the Team Dolan cars struggled. Um, in Formula Ford, we often have stru- problems with misfiring engines and 
missed gears because you know it's, it's an old hp gearbox and the engines do a full season before they're rebuilt usually so that knocked off a few more of his rivals um so i think he was left battling Nile murray and possibly matt cowley at the front of the field uh, in the end but Brown, honestly, you know, no mistakes for that whole weekend. So very good. Job. Yeah, certainly. It was definitely a coming of age moment for him, um, I, I think. And I think he, he utilised that to to really set the foundations down for what has turned out to be a pretty pretty handy uh, 2020 season as well. So it, for me, he goes in as the favourite, but is no absolute favourite. Um, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Um so I think we're we're close to wrapping up at this point. Um, I don't know if you have any other any other topics you want to cover um, where where we might be able to to watch this event because I do believe it's being streamed live, um, and, and where also to to keep in touch with with um, with up to date reports and, and goings on. Yeah, well, hopefully YouTube will be streaming this event by the BRCC's channel. Uh, we don't know that yet. And if not, then, you know, check out formalscout.com and FF1600 website for the race and qualifying reports and post-event news. Hopefully this coming Thursday, I'm going to be uploading an interview with the RSCC chairman, Peter, da- Peter Daly, who basically, you know, organizes the whole thing. Uh, but he also races a national Formula Ford. So very interesting chat with him about how grid numbers have gone up despite the pandemic and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out that if for people who still don't can't picture what a Formula Ford car is like, it's basically a single tubular steel construction. Uh, you know, there's no like additional panels or anything, so it looks kind of like a maybe like a cigar. That might be a good description. Um, the engines are single block. You can't add any parts to them, and normally you send them to a tuner to to make a bit like in karting uh, to make them kind of race ready. Uh, no engine oil or water tubes are permitted in the cockpit. You can't, you know, Formula One drivers have the water bottle system. And you have all these wiring. You can't have that in Formula Ford. Uh, you have your steering column and the driver has to be sat in a certain position. So in the light of a crash, they don't have severe, you know, lower leg injuries uh, or anything like that, which does mean they're quite, they're sat quite high out the car, but you do have the safety triangle Um so if a car flips, and we do see a lot of cars flipping because, you know, we don't have any wings in this, the wheels will hit each other and the car will roll. Uh, and if they land on the roll hoop, then the driver should be safe. Um, you're not allowed, I think, a lot of moving parts are like banned from engines as well. It's it's very strict technical formulas, but it was, it's been honed rather than what the FIA has done now with Formula 3, where they just tear up the whole rule book and write something else. This has been gradually, gradually changed over the last 50 or so years. Uh, all down to like you know cylinder head measurements and uh, gearbox diameters and compression ratios, all that kind of thing. Uh, they're very strict, and that's because uh, it's it's a business basically. Ford Ford Kent engines, these engine builders have been going on for years. They don't need rule changes because then they're going to have to find new suppliers, etc. So it keeps. This is why the this car, uh, this formula has gone on for so long. I think we have around 50 or 60 different chassis you can actually use it so when you think about formula 2 that's just one the delar f2 2019 formula 3 you've got your tatus dome uh delara's kind of at the regional and and ligier as well at at that level but here we have cars from brabham from lotus from chevron from march you know these are all f1 teams from back in the day uh from royale from titan 
uh, from Van Diemen, which obviously has a very long history, which you can read about in one of the features on formerscout.com. Lola, which sadly didn't get to a form with Vincento Suspiri. Uh, even weird names like Ladybird, uh, Legran. Even got the Genettas, like very early Genettas, which is brilliant to see. Coopers, uh, Eldons, which are very popular, Alexis cars. And the modern day ones are the Rays, uh, which is what the Team USA scholars always use. Uh, the Medinas, which is like a continuation of Van Diemen and uh, a bit of a shorter wheelbase than the other ones. So very good in wet conditions, which we're quite likely to see at Brands Hatch this weekend. Uh, we also have the Furman, which is probably the longest car that you can get. It's very, very tricky to get a good setup for it because it has this longer wheelbase, which is more alien to the rest of Formula Ford. And it's why the only really the very best drivers go for that car. Uh, and in the past, we've seen Luke Williams, who won the 2017 national title, and Jerry Foster use that at the Festival in the Haze. And, and normally they, they, you know, they turn up on the Friday testing and it's really hard to drive. And then by the Sunday, they're, they're winning races. Uh, apart from that, I think all drivers do have to wear the FHR device, uh, frontal head restraint. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the same as the hands. I'll, I'll need to check, but... You know, they do make it as safe as possible without fundamentally changing what's kept the sport so popular for 40 or so years. And I'm going to speed things up a little more. Running through the entry list, we've got Emanuele Piro's son, uh, who's racing with Oldfield Motorsport. Oldfield Motorsport is a team run by Arden and one of the engineers from Arden's British F4 team. And this deal with Piro was put together by uh, Pedro Matos, who engineers Frederick Vesti and FIA Formula 3. Uh, great guy, you know, I've watched him race in Formula Ford and he even raced Formula Ford as support to the World Touring Car Championship, the Boa Vista circuit a few years ago. Uh, and to help Piro, because this has been Piro's dream since he was younger, they've actually enlisted the sport of Vincenzo Suspiri. So that's a great name to see. Obviously, John from Brown's back with Low Dempsey Racing. The Team USA scholars who are joining him are Bryce Aron and Jackson Lee. Jackson Lee is the son of uh, IndyCar broadcaster in America. Uh, we've got Jordan Dempsey at Jordan Dempsey Racing. Now, I think he's actually racing at Kevin Mills Racing, which is the title-winning team for the National Championship this year. But under the entry list, he's called Jordan Dempsey. He dominated the Walter Hayes last year. He's won in Chinese F4. He's been great in Asian F3. So he'll be a good name to look at. Chris Middlehurst, former Renault BLC champion back in the day. He's leading Team Dolan's lineup alongside 2019 National Champion Ross Martin. Uh, Graham Brunton Racing would usually be running Jamie Chadwick because uh, of the last two years. They've only got Logan Hannah so far. Uh, she became the first female winner of a Scottish Formula Ford race last weekend in the Scottish Renegade Cup uh, at Knock Hill, and that also awarded Dave, David Leslie Trophy, so she's done a great job there. Uh, Thomas Ward, who I think is probably the youngest driver in the field, he's with BM Racing. BM Racing is basically the factory Medina team, and they're also running uh, Jamie Sharp, who used to do British F4, and I believe Cameron Jackson, potentially, uh, or, or one of like the one of the best historic Formula Ford races in the world has joined that team as well. Uh, we've got Luke Cooper, who runs with his dad's Swift Cooper team. Uh, you know, engine problems tend to hamper them, but he's one of those talents you always need to watch in a Formula Ford race. Very exciting. Megan Gilks, uh, who people will know from that insane finish to the W Series race at Aston last year, the non-championship one. Uh, she's making her UK Formula Ford 1600 debut because she often does kind of Formula 1600 races in Canada. Uh, we've got Jack Wolfenden, who's run by Myersburg College um, up in Preston. And, and that's, you know, just a bunch of students running that car. Great guys, great team. Obviously, that team evolves every few years because the students do. Uh, Pascal Montbaron, 
and his team boss, John Svensson. Now that's John's racing team from Belgium. There are, you know, bespoke overseas team that always come. They do a lot of testing in France, a lot of French classic races. Uh, and you get like 48 cars coming to Spa-Francorchamps for those kinds of races. Um, and at the very bottom of the list, including Peter Daly, who's obviously running this event, uh, we have Rick Morris, who is, of course, Etten Senna's first car racing rival, has been racing in Formula Ford for 40 or so years, and is, you know, is one of the most well-known names in the paddock. Uh, yeah, I think that pretty much rounds up what we can expect from the festival. And as a quick preview to the Walter Hayes, probably the same driver is going to be turning in two weeks' time. That's at Silverstone's national layout. Uh, that is usually in literally sub-zero conditions and an insane, you know, event. I think it's even better than the festival, but the festival is the one that everyone should be watching this weekend. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so much uh, history and uh, and prestige to to winning the the Formula Ford Festival. You've done a brilliant job there to to round up the the, the entries that we've got so far. Um, there might be a couple of very late ones as well. So uh, do keep an eye on on Formula Scout and FS sixteen hundred website. Um, FF sixteen hundred website is kind of a satellite site, if you will, well, a sister site um, that specialises in in this category. Um, it is looking for for new contributors, so. Uh, do keep an eye on that for for um, information on that. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna round up here, um, Elliot. 